and welcome to Wilderness Socialist Club, uh, episode five. Today I have with me Ben McLean. Hello. And Lucy Valentine cannot be with us today. And in her place we have uh, a special guest, Matt Bray. Hello. How are you, Matt? Hi, guys. Uh, it's great to finally be on an Australian podcast where I will not be mocked for my accent or my culture. Indeed. Well, Indeed. Uh, <clears throat> he will still be mocked for Newcastle culture, which I do not respect or support. Well, that's fair. Mm. Although I will be mocking you, Ben, for Brisbane culture, which I also do not support. Doesn't make any sense. It's great. It's nothing to make fun of. We're perfect in every way. We have no flaws or history of racism or police corruption or nothing. Nothing at all. Just a little uh, spoiler for the discussion ahead. There might be a little bit of a mention of Queensland once or twice in the talk we're gonna we're gonna have. <laughs> I don't Just see why couple. Queensland would be overrepresented in a sample of racist politicians. So <laughs> can't imagine why that would be the case. No precedent there. <laughs> no. Barely anything to touch on. No. Um, so yes, Lucy could not be with us today. So uh, I believe we're achieving something truly special in in broadcast here, which is an all-male, uh, an all-male broadcast. Finally. Finally. It's about it's... time. It's about time that three white males had their voices heard on a podcast. Mm. I'm sick of being censored. Or not heard, as the case is with most podcasts. Matt's with us today, and we're going we're gonna to talk about something that I think will hopefully be of interest uh, and add a bit of context for any international listeners, which is we want to do a bit of a bit of an oral history of Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party, uh, the Pride of Queensland. <laughs> because you know you'll often see things pop up in the news about um, one of their candidates has done something insanely racist, um, or you know said some particularly wild stuff about some conspiracy theories and. You know, you start to get a bit of a vibe for what the party's all about. But as Matt pointed out to me recently, um, when you put all those things together, it has a kind of entirely different cumulative effect. Yeah, when you when you look at them all together, it really is quite something. It becomes it becomes kind of staggering, and it starts to raise a lot of questions uh, about where they're getting these people from, uh, mm. how they go about vetting them, if they are vetting them. Uh, and my personal favorite theory is that they are in fact stringently vetting all of these people but that any decent candidates are also doing some vetting of their own and immediately decline to run for the party and these are in fact the people they're left over with. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense where would you like to start Matt? well um i think the best place to start would be uh the guy who prompted me to compile this list which was mark ellis mm. who was a who was a candidate from hang on am i reading this right from queensland <gasps> Oh, this is That's... the lawnmower guy, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> lawnmower man. As so, yeah, he was he was a candidate for, um, I'm not sure, one of the seats in Brisbane, I think. Mm. He first came to prominence as he t it turned out that Mark used to be uh, in the police force. And he mm. was uh, one of what they call the Pakemba Six back in the uh, early 90s, I believe it was. Which was uh, an incident when six police officers... Uh, arrested a bunch of youths for no real reason, drove them out into the middle of nowhere and kicked them out of the car and told them to piss off, basically. It's probably worth noting that, uh, that was it four kids and six cops? I believe so. I, I think it was three or four. They were definitely outnumbered mm. by the yeah, cops. Yeah, so it was um, 
three or four Aboriginal kids who I think were all under the age of 10. Larger than them group of adult police officers, bailed them all up, uh, took their shoes. Mm. Ah, yeah, that's a important detail. Yep. One of the kids said that the cops asked them to all take all of their clothes off and give them to them as well, which they refused. Ooh, Natural boy. police procedure. <laughs> Very normal, normal stuff. And then they, yeah, put them all in police cars and drove them out into the bush and dumped them there, basically. So um, this was pretty controversial, as you can imagine, uh, because on the surface, it appears that the police uh, kidnapped a bunch of children for no reason and dumped them in the bush. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it sparked some pretty massive protests. The police, of course, not a single one of them was charged with anything. I don't believe any of them even lost their job. So so I believe what happened is that they were all charged with kidnapping and they were all acquitted by a court in Queensland because, as the judge said, well, they all went willingly with the police, so how can they have been kidnapped? Ah, good point. Excellent point. Mm, because there isn't possibly any kind of... Um, coercive element involved in a much larger number of uh, adults who are also police commanding children under the age of 10 uh, to do things. They, um, there's a, a lovely sentence here in the Wikipedia article on it uh, where it says, police later admitted that the boys had not previously committed any crimes, but were taken to deter them from committing any crimes or being a public nuisance. Ah, uh, well. Yes. If there's if there's one thing that'll stop you from committing crimes, it's uh, being a corpse in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Who knows how many future crimes these police? <laughs> yes. They may have been. It could have been like a minority report precog mm. kind of situation. You know, they thought that they were going to do a crime in half an hour. So if they take them out, put them in the bush, make them walk back, well, they can't do the crime. Yeah. If there's anyone, I think I was being very kind of uh, Sherlock Holmes type uh, prognosticators. You know, real, real sleuths. It's the old uh, Queensland police. Bunch of geniuses. Yeah, and I really liked it when. So, so Mark, Mark ran for office. Yes, this wasn't. This was just the first thing to come out about him, and uh, once the attention was on him, it uh, quickly escalated. People found his Facebook. There's a common thread amongst many of these candidates, and it's Facebook. <laughs> Because apparently yes. journalists have realised that instead of actually having to do their job, they can just get the work experience kid to scroll through One Nation Candidates' Facebook pages until they find something, and it usually yep. does not take very long to find something. No. Mm. Well, there's there's also the there's also a subcategory there, which is checking out their Facebook likes. Yeah. Oh, that's always mm. a good one. Yeah, that's an important one for later to keep in mind. <laughs> mm. But yes. What what was found on uh, Mark's Facebook page was just just a normal, typical little photo. You know how, like, uh, you'll be mowing the lawn and just as a bit of a joke, you'll decide to uh, mow a swastika into the lawn. Oh, classic, classic japes. And then because you're laughing at it so much, you'll uh, you'll really want to get the wife out yeah, to, to take, come stand on the balcony and stand, take a picture of you doing, doing a Nazi salute. To yeah. the swastika you have mm. mowed into your lawn. So that came out. There was also allegations that are uh, of him threatening to murder a former employee. Oh, I forgot about the employee. That. Said employee posted screen caps of a Facebook chat, I believe, where Mark Ellis was calling him a cunt and telling him he was going to kill him. Yeah, because the oh. guy said that he couldn't turn up for a shift. Yeah, 
And then Mark was just like, I will fucking straight up murder you, you dog cunt. <laughs> That's, again, very normal stuff. Um, normal behaviour. Yeah, I was, I for one was shocked to find out that a Queensland <laughs> police officer was racist. Mm. Who would have mm. guessed? The first and I assume last time we're going to get that news. <laughs> yeah. So I actually didn't know about any this stuff about Mark beyond the initial court case stuff, because I remember um, seeing seeing some clips of him getting bailed up by reporters about this, because apparently uh, when he had decided to run for office, what a few reporters did was just Google his name, <laughs> and the very first thing that came up was very racist police officer kidnaps Aboriginal children uh, and-, and goes to court for it. Mm. Um, and his reaction was, was really priceless. Um, I really enjoyed it. He, he said... Look, I've moved on from this. Why can't you? <laughs> so apparently, you know, he he had gotten over the trauma that was inflicted upon him by being taken to court over this, and he wondered why everybody else couldn't just also find, you know, that inner reserve of strength like he did and just be able to get over it and move on. It happened in a different century, so <laughs> yes. why are we still talking about it? Well, yeah, I put it to you that only 90s kids will remember this. So. <laughs> yeah, that was the initial spark. I just I just started thinking, where do they keep finding these guys? And just on the spur of the moment, I just off the top of my head, I started to write down every scandal I could think of. And, yeah, the list got pretty big pretty quickly. just keeps going and going. I mean, it's probably worth noting, again, for, for anybody who's not um, overly familiar with One Nation's history, that... Uh, Pauline Hanson has kind of returned to the national scene after a pretty long stint in the political wilderness. She first came to prominence in the late 90s. And a shorter stint in jail, it should be said. <laughs> a, li- a little stint in jail. Just a just a stopover in jail. So yeah, she, she first sort of came to prominence in the late 90s um, with a lot of very anti-Asian immigration race baiting mm. um, in her politics. The conservative government at the time managed to really take the wind out of her sails by just adopting all of that yes. incredible racism Very clever into their own on their policy. Mm. Yes. was, uh, ah, well, if you can't beat them, join them, um, which they did. So Pauline, she, she got in for a term. She was a, she was a big personality. People realized that she is um, supremely incompetent, can barely string together a sentence and doesn't actually have any idea what she's talking about, including when it comes to her own policies. And so she kind of fizzled out. Yeah, the big thing I remember from from Pauline's first run, apart from all the anti-Asian stuff, was her suggestion to solve money crises by getting the the mint to print more money. Mm. <laughs> that was her. Uh, that that was her economic policy, from what I can remember. Well, it's economics one hundred and one, really. It's also worth noting that one of their original policies was to, again, solve all of our economic woes by having, I think it was like a 2% flat tax on everyone and everything. Mm. That was a solid plan as well. Yeah, and so this was one where um, where the very first time she was asked even the most cursory of questions, um, it almost completely sunk her campaign. <laughs> because, again, she, she couldn't even remotely explain how this was actually going to work. Um, but that's just getting bogged down in details, really. Mm. So Pauline Hanson has returned. Um, she's back. She's back. As, as she said in her, um, in her uh, maiden speech, well, it's not really her maiden speech to the Senate, but her, her most recent maiden speech to the Senate, um, she said, 
I've got three words for you. I'm back, but I'm not alone. <laughs> Which really sums up Pauline. It really does. Yes, apparently uh, the, the threat of the yellow menace has receded. Mm-hmm. Pauline is not concerned about uh, Japanese, the Jap- Japanese buying Australia anymore. It's now mm-hmm. Muslims that are the obvious threat that mm. she constantly harps about. Well, she, she used exactly the same phrasing in, in both instances, isn't, didn't she? We are in danger of being swamped by Asians. Mm. And I'm quite sure that 20 years on, she's now switched to saying we are in danger of being swamped by Muslims. She's never really addressed whether we did or did not get swamped by Asians. No, I've been uh, a little unclear on that. I, I'd mm. just like to know if she's changed tack because it didn't happen, which means we had nothing to worry about, or it did happen and then nothing bad came from it. Ah, well, see, my suggestion is that enough time has passed that people who were worried about being swamped by Asians are dead. Um, are now well, they're now okay with the fact that there is a, a bun me place on the corner and a Chinese <laughs> takeaway place they can get some stuff from. And they realised pad Thai was nice. Mm. Yes, maybe they know one family in their street, and they're the okay ones. Um, because, in fact, in this most recent election, there was a One Nation candidate um, who I think was a Chinese lady. Uh, uh, yes, and I she, think she was Chinese. She had some very interesting views as well. Yeah, Shan Julin. She was yes. from, you guessed it, Queensland. Mm. Weird coincidence. She, she said uh, that gays, her word, should be put in hospital <laughs> and treated as patients, that it's a sickness. Mm-hmm. And she also posted on Facebook that abnormal sex leads to abnormal crime. Which I'm not really mm. sure exactly what that means. Does, is she talking like supervillains? Yeah, if, my first if you do pegging, you will start like holding people hostage off bridges or whatever. I think that's that's what that is. Yeah, you'll probably make some sort of um, bomb with an elaborate timer. Mm. You'll have to explain your entire plot to somebody. Mm. Just some of that normal abnormal crime. Shan was actually uh, sacked from the party for these comments. And uh, she also, I believe... Uh, cup some flack for some uh, homophobic memes that she posted. Yeah, they they acted pretty quick on Shan. She, they they sacked her, which means she can now go back to her less important day job of teaching our nation's children, because she is in fact a school teacher. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Uh, we should probably keep a keep a tally of uh, what were fireable uh, transgressions and which weren't. Strangely, when a white person said something very similar to what Shan said, they were not sacked and in a, are, in fact, still a oh. member of the party. Mm. So, Mark stepped down of his own volition, right? That wasn't one nation didn't tell I him to step think, down. Yeah, right? I think he pretty much realised that uh, once you're photographed next to a swastika, your campaign is pretty much sunk. Mm. Mm. That'll do it. You're going to take a hit in the polls. <laughs> If you ever uh, actually uh, get to the point where polls matter about what you're doing. Yeah, you, you're going to take a hit in the polls outside of Queensland. Wait a second, was it the same Was it the same lady who was talking um, about some immigration-related stuff and she was referring to, like, the good Asians? I think that was her, yes. <laughs> uh, she, she's, she's one of... She's one of the good ones, fin- yeah. Yes, finger quotes, the good ones have come to Australia and, you know, assimilated appropriately. That that was absolutely her. You are correct. Have you got the quote there? Uh, 
Blah, blah. A woman who was born in Taiwan and is running for One Nation says party leader Pauline Hanson was right to warn about Australia being swamped by Asians 20 years ago. Interesting. Uh, but mm-hmm. Chan Lin believes Miss Hanson was talking about the Chinese and has told the oh. ABC uh, good Asians will vote for One Nation in the next presidential <laughs> election. Oh, well, I mean, the next thing that she says is relatively true. Uh, she told the ABC that European people find it hard to distinguish between Chinese and people from other parts of Asia. We did mistakenly call her Chinese when she is, in fact, Taiwanese. Mm. Unless we're taking China's line on this. Which I do. We were absolutely correct. I always take China's line on, like, um, Tibet and Taiwan and stuff, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, they're in charge. Keep Tibet Chinese. That's what I say. <laughs> what a popular stance. <laughs> so that was a sackable offence. Yes. Unlike uh, Tracy Bell Henselin, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, who is also... Oh, this can't be right. She's from Queensland. Oh. Well, that seems, like, unnecessary for you to add that knowledge. So, yep. <laughs> but, uh, yes, this happened exactly a week after Sean was dumped from the party. Uh, Tracy wrote on Facebook, yet again, that, quote, LGBTI is out to destroy families as we know them. She also made a number mm-hmm. of other various homophobic Facebook posts. Tracy is also a fervent Pizzagate believer. Yes. And she thinks that Hillary Clinton should be arrested, which is, I think, a policy we actually could all agree in. Yeah. She's got some good ideas, at least. Who's, who can't get behind Pizzagate? <laughs> but interestingly, interestingly, Tracy has not been dumped from the party, strangely. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, is Tracy white, perhaps? She, oh, is. she is indeed. Yes. Mm. Mm. Okay, so so we're 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 starting to get our little you know our diagram up on the wall here, uh, our conspiracy board with bits of red string pins and pins and red string and stuff. So so far we've got um, white candidate kidnaps black children, uh, swastika on the lawn. That's you got to quit over that one. White candidates, LGBT. Conspiracies and Pizzagate, you don't have to quit. Mm-hmm. Asian candidate criticizing gay people as diseased and mentally incapable, you have to quit. Yes, so it does seem like there's a pattern there. A bit. It's a pattern coming in, you know. Clearly, clearly the lines are set at different places depending on your ethnicity. Even if you are um, one of the good ones, if- you will be held to a slightly higher standard. I just want to say that um, in Chandra Lin's defense, uh, if the hospital stay they're providing is paid for by the government, I will take it. That sounds very <laughs> restful. I just have to lie down all the time, eat lots yeah. of food. That's, yeah, yeah. I'd probably get some time off work. Hmm. I support her. It all depends what the treatment is, you know. If the treatment is just acknowledging uh, that you are queer, mm. you know, you just hang out and watch some movies. Well, if they're just like showing me straight porn all day, while I lie in the hospital bed. <laughs> I will vote for her in a second. I'll start a new party for her to join. <laughs> right, so did we did we have anything else on her? Uh, that was all uh, that I know about personally. I'm sure she said uh, plenty of the standard One Nation, you know, the standard One Nation line, which, which we all know, so I didn't feel like it was necessary to cover the typical anti-Muslim stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of par for the course on the old party at this point. She is still a vital and integral part of the party, as far as I can tell. Tracy Bell Henselin is. <clears throat> vital, vital instrument of the party. But, uh, yes, and the next one on our list, and uh, good news, Ben, this is the last Queenslander. 
Ooh, that seems unlikely, but sure. Is uh, Peter Rogers. Now, old Pete, he had a couple of blog posts. He's, he ch- he's changing it up. He doesn't post on Facebook. He has his own blog where he says things such as the images of a drowned Syrian refugee file child were fake oh. and that the Port Arthur massacre was a false flag. Oh, and he, from memory, is the guy that said that uh, an employee of his wrote the blog posts, right? That was Yes, he claims that uh, someone he handed his website over to wrote the blog posts and then also said, quote, no one is perfect. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. <laughs> but yeah, he maintains to this day that he did not write the the blog posts. Yeah, I really love um I really love that as a classic evasion in the online age. Um I was hacked. Uh I did not write the thing that is on my blog with my name on it that I'm assuming I'm the only person who posts to. I I would just like to say as a diversion, that's I feel like when this guy came up that that was the first time that I actually realised that there was a big community of Port Arthur truthers in Australia. Mm. Yeah, it was for me too. It wasn't something I'd ever looked into before. Yeah, well, like, of course, when you, you know, if you have any kind of experience um, witnessing the kind of stuff that comes out around things like 9-11 and Sandy Hook and that sort of stuff where there's always people who are going to insist that it was a false flag or that it was a secret op by the governments for a reason... Um, then you know it shouldn't it shouldn't come as a surprise. Yet still, I was surprised. I was pretty thoroughly surprised. Yeah, I was too. Mainly because it, it predated that internet conspiracy culture a little bit, so I didn't think yeah. they would have uh, bothered with it almost. But no, apparently yeah. they have. Oh yeah, I I didn't realize that there's just there's a community of people out there who have done nothing but like blog about it for fifteen years. You know, mm. just, yeah. um... including Peter Rogers' webmaster. Apparently. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it's happened to all of us. I hate it when hackers hack my Twitter account and post that there's a secret Nazi base in the middle of Uluru. Yes. yes. Um, it's, it's happened to all of us. Can we uh, can we take a second to uh, just pay our respects to the great Australian hero who was the racist chiropractor who uh, went on a Facebook, very racist Facebook rant against Nova Paris and then mm. blamed it on... Was it specifically Korean hackers? Yes. <laughs> he, he did actually get very specific to the nationality of the hackers. And then like a day later was like, well, no, I did it. Uh, that was me. <laughs> it was not hackers. Yeah, so for, um, for, for people who aren't familiar with this story, um, Nova Paris uh, was an Olympic, Olympic champion, Commonwealth Games champion. Was she an Olympic champion? She's definitely an athlete. She was definitely a, definitely. a medalist, yeah. Yes. She, she got a medal from somewhere. I feel like we should know this. Um, so Probably. Nova Paris was a champion athlete uh, who went on to serve in the government, in a Labour government, um, and she received a bunch of incredibly vile, super racist abuse from uh, a guy on Facebook who apparently didn't realise that when you set up a Facebook profile in your own name uh, with photos of yourself and start to document your own life's history, that people can tell it's you <laughs> when you make posts from there. Um, so yeah, he posted a bunch of really, really extremely racist uh, abuse of her, um, which she then called out online as saying, Hey, just so people know, this is the kind of stuff that you got to deal with constantly. So yeah, his defense of this was, ah, I'm a, (laughs) I'm like a, a 50 year old chiropractor in Australia. 
So it makes perfect sense that I would be targeted for hacking by Korean hackers. <laughs> and that rather than do something like, say, a phishing scam or stealing my bank account details, they would instead choose to harass a woman of color uh, politician via Facebook. So he was, um, they charged him with uh, using a carriage service to offend, mm. which is the, the only law we've got for that sort of thing. Um, and he was given an eight-month suspended jail sentence because uh, the court heard that he had a brain snap. So the brain snap made him racist. Oh, that's the medical term, I believe. <laughs> yes. Was his lawyer from Queensland? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the judge was. A brain snap. Well, that's not bad. If I um, if I ever engage in some horrific targeted harassment online, I'm going to make sure to put that one in my back pocket. Yeah. It's the trump card. The brain snap is why I called Nova Paris a black cunt, told her to mm. fuck off and to go back to the bush and suck on witchetty grubs. Oh, lovely. Yeah, not a, not a very pleasant man. I don't know if I would get my spine adjusted by that gentleman. Yeah, I might give that one a miss. <laughs> yep. I'd like to go to that guy and get my brain smoothed out. <laughs> he will adjust and measure your skull for you. All right, so coming back. Mm. Yep, so now we are moving our attention to West Australia, where which had an election recently, and um, yeah, they threw up quite a few interesting candidates. The first one that I remembered was uh, Brian Brightman. Now, Brian is unfortunately guilty of stealing $1,100 worth of stamps from when he worked as a customs officer at Perth Airport. <laughs> what a crime. Yeah, that's that's a lot of stamps. It's the perfect crime, if you will. This was 20 <laughs> years ago, too, so you're probably looking at, uh, like, 50 cents. A million dollars. Yeah, that's a, oh, that's right. a lot of fucking stamps. <laughs> what are you posting? What are you posting, Brian? I, I don't know if he was going to use them for mail. All just going into his um, extensive stamp collection, all of which are the one stamp, thousands of times. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking to flesh out the collection. He'd uh, like mail his wife from the other room just because he had so many stamps. <laughs> oh, so his other great claim to fame uh, was his claim that uh, ice addicts should be put on yes. an uninhabited island and, un and left yeah. to fed for themselves. That was, that was his solution to the uh, ice epi epidemic. Put them on an island. Congratulations, Brian. You've just proposed the foundation of Australia. Well done. Yeah. Oh. Australia, Australia too. Oh, this is so wonderful. Um, so his statement uh, after he was dubbed was, if this is what happens to a person who has paid for his mistakes and feels that he has got a lot to give back to this country or that Australia is in big trouble, whatever happened to giving people a fair go? <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Ice addicts aside, of course. <laughs> well, they've got a fair go at killing each other or some animals. So, yeah. I mean, they've still got a fair go in that sense. Yeah, that that's an important point. It's an uninhabited <laughs> island, but it does have animals and trees on it, which they yeah. can, you know, feed themselves and make fire and shelter. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Look, if you can't um, get caught stealing thousands of dollars uh, of product from the federal government and proposing that drug addicts be put on an island for a battle royale type fight <laughs> of death, then this country's in a lot of trouble. You're absolutely right. I think if you're an ice addict and you can't hunt and kill a quokka with a homemade spear, <laughs> then you're really not doing society any favours. You're just a drain on the state at that point. 
what was the deal with his um, stamp crime? Uh, was it that he stole the stamps and he got caught and everything and he just didn't declare that he had done that crime when he was uh, running for the party or that he just kind of got caught for it much later in the piece? Yeah, he didn't. I don't think he told them. And uh, it was journalists that yeah, uncovered that he had a conviction for stealing mm. stamps, stealing $1,000 worth of stamps while he was a customs yeah, a officer, which is, an, yeah. I, I feel, an important detail. Was that would that mm. have been enough to bar him from holding office? Because the rule is like if you've got a, if you're successfully charged with a crime that carries a penalty of up it's to like at least six months over a year, uh, it's twelve months, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know what he was actually charged with. No, that seems the... very generous. Well, so it's it's of a crime that can carry a penalty up to. So even if you only get six months oh. for it, if it's one that can carry a penalty of up to two years, you would still count. Oh no! Okay, so it didn't it didn't disqualify him because he was only fined five thousand dollars for it. He wasn't actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe he uh, cut a deal and ratted out some bigger stamp thief that he knew about. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody stole three thousand dollars worth of stamps from the government. All right, so who we got next? Okay, so the next one is my personal favourite. It's Mister Lawrence Shave, which is a great name. Lawrence Shave. I've <laughs> got great names, actually. Um, Brian Brightman, Lawrence Shave. Yeah, now Lawrence, or Lofty, as he prefers to be called. Okay. Basically, Lofty is an incredibly, incredibly horny individual. He's a pastor of a church. I didn't actually look up the denomination, but I think it's a Pentecostal church, I believe. Yeah, so uh, Lawrence has posted online on various dating sites that he's seeking a wife aged between 20 and 24. Now, Lawrence himself is 74 years of age. (laughs) I believe he's the oldest uh, person on this list, though I didn't double-check that. Wow. He uh, also advertised for a business idea he had. He was seeking uh, employees. It was called Bikini Baristas. Now, that I can get behind. Yeah, yeah, the name kind of says it all. It's pretty self-explanatory what the business is. Again, he was seeking 20 to 24-year-olds, backpackers mainly, apparently. <laughs> Very specific. Well, because um, you also want to be able to wage rot them at the same time, so it's best yeah. It's best you get backpackers. Just in case, you know, if your employee is doing, uh, doing a bit of backtalk to you, it's, it's helpful if they're a backpacker and you can just do a quick wolf creak on them to get rid of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Here's my spiciest take of the day. Uh, Wolf Creek, incredibly overrated. Yeah, it's all right. It's not yep. great. I've never seen it's it. Just, it's just Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the guy from play school, you know? But yeah, uh, Lawrence Lawrence's uh, quest for a wife seems <laughs> mainly uh, aimed at Russia and Eastern Europe. Mm. Yep. He apparently great had, names over there. He had found a bride at one point which he posted about on Facebook. Her name was Oksana. He posted some photos of a suspiciously attractive, one might also almost say model-looking Russian woman. But uh, Oksana, who I'm sure was definitely real, doesn't actually <laughs> seem to have ever come to Australia and married him. That's a shame. Oh, I'm sorry um, to hear that. Poor Lofty. He's yeah. pretty excited. <clears throat> but uh, his quest continues. He's still actually quite active on dating websites. He, <laughs> He is one who did not delete his accounts, as most of these people have done after being caught That's, out. Oh. That is a brave, brave move. Yeah, Lawrence. I just saw a, just Lawrence saw a picture is, of him. Uh, yeah. 
I, I sure wish this wasn't an audio format because he looks exactly like what you would expect. <laughs> but yeah, old old Lawrence Lofty shave. His main crime is uh, he's mainly guilty of being very horny, and if that's a crime, you can you know you can lock me up too. <laughs> I would if I could. Well, I mean, if I had the power to lock you up, I, I honestly. <laughs> well, oh. if you were going to start, if you're going to start disqualifying people on the basis of being too horny for public office, we never would have had JFK. Mm. He also claims gay people can be cured, which is seems to be a standard One Nation line as we go yeah, further into this list. And you know, I'm sure there's pretty much no evidence provided for this by any of them. Uh. But you know, it's a it's a view to be held, and I guess uh, it it doesn't really hurt that it's being held in conjunction with a variety of other extremely cooked, uh, widely disproven, uh, crazy racist views. Hmm. So uh, the next guy. Is, oh, speaking of horny, we've got uh, Cameron Bartkowski, <laughs> who's also from WA. His um main crime is just funny stuff on his facebook he's liked a bunch of questionable facebook pages you might say including <laughs> world-class babes hot ebony booty <laughs> and yes. i cuckold all my boyfriends oh and don't forget uh don't forget fuck my ex fuck was... my ex fuck my ex <laughs> but yeah he's just a he's just a horny man i love swinger uh i love swinger oh here's a good one <laughs> so this is a a page where it sounds like the description of a video but uh, let's not split here's it uh big tit blonde milf makes her pussy come oh interesting yeah. and that is in the page category cinema <laughs> <laughs> yeah cameron is basically just your typical you know boomer dad on facebook who accidentally clicks a porn link and isn't aware that it shares it to his timeline Unless it was Korean hackers, which it probably was. That could oh, yeah. never be a real yeah, probably. Mm. You know that uh, that's, that um, devious technique that they do where they hack into your Facebook page and use it to surreptitiously like a bunch of things that a horny middle-aged guy would like? Um, just to stitch you up in the case of you maybe running for office later on. It's the perfect crime. Yeah, it should be noted that, uh, strangely, none of these people actually won their election. Weirdly enough, oh. Oh. especially in, well, well, in WA anyway, none of the WA guys, I believe, I don't believe a single one of them won their seat. Yeah, so it's noteworthy that, um, again, so it's it's a bit of history repeating from uh, the, their original sort of surge 20 years ago, where they have come back into office when that Pauline Hanson's One Nation, as I think it's known now, mm -hmm. because there was a bit of a legal stoush between... Uh, Pauline Hanson and the people who I think I don't know did they take over running the party when she went to jail? Hmm. Um, so somebody else, somebody else was making some sort of claim to the name One Nation. So she instead has has relaunched it as Pauline Hanson's One Nation. Um, not that it's all about her, the party. Absolutely uh, not. Of course not. Um, so yeah, they had a little bit of a resurgence. Um, the people who did get in immediately collapsed into infighting, wild conspiracy theories. Uh, and making huge embarrassments of themselves, um, as well as, I think, getting caught quite red-handed, doing a lot of sort of shady backdoor stuff, um, extorting and exploiting their own candidates mm. running for office. Um, 
And this meant that when there was a, an election for the Western Australian government, um, that they ran a lot of candidates, the media was convinced that there was going to be a big uh, Trump-style mm. Make Western Australia Great Again surge of support for One Nation, um, causing the Liberals to wet the bed a little bit and make some preference deals with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that caused both the Liberals and Pauline Hanson's One Nation to get thoroughly spanked. Yeah, it was quite a landslide for Labor in the end. Mm. Yeah, I think um, One Nation ended up getting like 4% of the vote, I believe. Yeah, uh, which is still worryingly high, but it is, mm. was much uh, smaller than predicted. Yeah. Oh, that people were predicting like 24, 25% or something, weren't they? They, yeah. they thought it was going to be very high. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were worried that all of a sudden they would hold this massive block of power in Western Australia. But instead, people went, oh, you're the guys we've seen on the news from all the Facebook pages and the conspiracy theories and the racist stuff and the homophobic stuff. And, and the fraud. Also being, and all the fraud. Fraud, yeah. They're all not fraud, just again. racist, horny people. They're also people that are actively fleecing candidates by overcharging them for advertising materials and then getting cash back on those advertising materials from the government and keeping it. Mm, getting given um, a plane and just kind of not declaring it or telling anyone. Yeah, yeah pretending that no one owns the plane. That's a yeah. that's classic gag. It's just, it's just kind of everyone's plane, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did Cameron um coming back to Cameron old Cam did he did he quit or was he forced out I don't believe either I think it was just a bit of a my bad he just lost Yeah Uh so he at the time that happened had not yet paid for his um, Oh yes that's right yeah he hadn't actually officially paid for his candidate <laughs> candidacy so uh there was a bit of a controversy about that Yeah so um, it's it's also worth noting, I think, um, just a delicious bit of irony from the WA election, which was that during the campaign, um, Pauline Hanson did what she loves to do, which was just kind of run off at the mouth in front of a bunch of microphones and cameras about something that she hasn't really thought about and doesn't understand at all, which in this case was um, vaccinations. And she made a bunch of comments uh, that strongly implied that vaccinations are unnecessary and a risk to your children and cause autism um, and implored people to do their own research on vaccination. Don't listen to science. Um, so that one, that one kind of blew up in her face. She clearly did not expect the reaction that she got. And she, she actually came out and walked back those statements later on saying, um, oh, well, that's, that's just my opinion, not a party position. Not a party position um, of Pauline Hanson's One Nation party. <laughs> yes, yes. It's just Pauline Hanson's opinion. She barely uh, has Hansen's anything to do with opinion. them. Barely. So, um, so my favourite part of the WA election was that there was a big, a big controversy around vaccinations and during the campaign and the actual election <laughs> itself, one of One Nation's candidates was holed up in bed uh, with measles <laughs> because he had not been vaccinated. Uh, sometimes the universe just provides, you know? Sometimes it's just good to be alive. It was pretty perfect. It happened, like, right afterwards. It was so like, good. Pauline Hansen does a big, dumb vaccination thing, and then two days later it was like, this guy can't get out and campaign because he is bedridden in hospital with measles. <laughs> um, terrific. Terrific stuff. Uh-huh. So, uh, so who else do we have? 
Yeah, so uh, we've we've only got uh, two more of the lesser known ones now before we move on mm-hmm. to the big names. We got uh, David Archibald. Oh, he was now, a, a yeah, classic. You might remember David because uh, he he came out and said that uh, single mothers are lazy and that yes. they are raising lazy and ugly children. And he proposed that single mothers who are ugly should not receive welfare because it's their own fault for being ugly that they can't find a husband, essentially. Mm. This, uh, I believe he referred to them as um, too, too lazy and unattractive to keep a mate. Yes. Yes. David um, said that, and this is a direct quote, <laughs> we know what causes pregnancy these days, so everyone gets <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> not like in the past no, when we had no idea. Not, what not like in the bad old days before science told us uh, what causes pregnancy. <laughs> yes. And, of course, the real icing on that cake was that he is an absolutely horrid-looking man. Mm. He is, and uh, it should be noted that uh, the leader of Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party, Pauline Hanson, is in fact a single mother herself and has been one for (laughs) about 30 years. So, old Dave uh, kind of stepped in it with that one. Was he fired? What was the outcome of that one? Uh, no, he wasn't fired. Pauline Hanson backed him on that. She does. And she is just, not a fan of single mothers herself for some reason, despite the fact that she is one. There's a, there's a lot of complicated internal politics at play with Pauline Hanson. <clears throat> Pauline Hanson is only a fan of single mothers who uh, run their own fish and chip shop. Have their own political party named Pauline Hanson's One Nation. Regardless of what the name of the person who is the head of the party is. All right, so so he was a uh, he was another candidate for the WA election who just tanked. Yep, he sure was. And uh, this guy, the next guy, is their most successful candidate. That he lost, Ooh. he lost pretty narrowly. He's uh, probably the least worst, I'd say. It's old Richard Bolton. <laughs> now Richard Bolton's main crime was uh, he misspelled the name of his electorate on his campaign sign. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nobody's perfect. Yeah, to be oh. fair, he was uh, running in the electorate of Kalgoorlie, which is kind of hard to spell. That's pretty tricky. Um, I think you'll find it's actually the electorate of Kalgoorlie. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Richard, uh, the only other policy I'm aware of, I'm sure he's got some bad opinions, but uh, the only other policy I'm aware of that he's an advocate for is uh, drug decriminalisation. So I'm no. I'm going to go ahead and say old Dickie B is the best one nation candidate to have ever lived. He sounds like a great guy, and and he um you know he did the best thing a one nation candidate can do, which is kind of accidentally disqualify himself before ever getting elected. Mm. That's terrific stuff. Uh, before we move on to the big ones, there's also another minor minor candidate that I I quite liked, um, which was Michelle Myers, who uh, was running for the seat of Bateman, who uh, said that the LGBT community uses Nazi mind control. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. That was a classic. That was a classic. Yeah, it should be um, said that uh, this list, list was mainly done off the top of my head, so I'm sure I forgot or missed a few here and there, and, you know. Well, that's what's staggering about it. Yeah. There, These are, like, the ones that just come to mind. Really an incredible amount of kooks and nutbags that they've managed to the assemble. The most recent ones. Yeah, I really like the Nazi mind control um lady because if there's one if there's one group of people that the lgbti community identifies with and desperately wishes to ape it's the nazis yeah oh absolutely um 
there's one group that they look at and think, how can we be more like the Nazis? Perhaps we should adopt some of their techniques. Uh, late friend of the show, Bill Leake, uh, definitely tapped into that sentiment as well. No, R.O.P. R.O.P. Bill Leake. He's, um, he's falling off heaven's balcony now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, he's getting a different heaven. kind of six uh, foot long <laughs> in heaven. <laughs> oh, Bill. Oh, Bill. Well, look, at least if there's one thing we know, it's that um, Bill Leake, staunch defender of uh, free speech via very racist cartoon, would have absolutely defended our right to make these jokes. He certainly would have. Defense. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, heaven, heaven just got another angel. <laughs> and that angel's <laughs> really racist. Yep, yep. Um, I assume he falls off heaven's balcony and then goes to, like, heaven's heaven. Mm. He just descends to another level and then falls off that balcony. So, we're going we're gonna to hit the, the big guns. Yeah, so um, I, I figure it's not really necessary to go into all the stuff Pauline has said and done she's uh pretty well known throughout australia and uh i think you know even people overseas are vaguely aware of her i think it's yeah, enough think to so. say um, she's the founder and head of this of this party so you can kind of even if you are completely unaware of who pauline hansen is you've got a pretty good idea after hearing all this i think yeah like if all of these people stepped into a teleporter at the same time she would come <laughs> out the other end yes yes um, it's her face on the plane, after all, that isn't hers. Yes, and her name on the plane that's not hers. Yes. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen a lot of planes getting about that have a large caricature of my own face <laughs> on them, and also my name uh, printed in large letters. And I think to myself, wonder who owns that plane, because <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> it could be anyone. could be anyone. could be anyone's plane. Yeah, so we've got uh, the first one is a Rod Cullerton, of course. Oh, I honestly, you, old Rod, you got to respect him. You do. I I actually have trouble following the ins and outs of his bizarre case. Oh. that saw him. What's the word? Debarred? It's not debarred from the Senate. What's the? I don't know uh, what the correct term is. Lost his seat. He just kind of got disqualified. Disqualified. Because, um, he was post-fact disqualified because it turned out he was never eligible to run in the first <laughs> that's place. That's right, yeah. For two different reasons. They were kind of related, though, the two different reasons, weren't they? Or one stemmed from the other, was it? Oh, uh, no, so... Y- y- oh, sort of. So his... Well, his... no, there was, the bank- there was the bankruptcy and the assault. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, well, no, it, say... it was the bankruptcy and the theft. Um, yes, that is what disqualified him. And I, I, from what I could tell, those two were connected. He was going bankrupt. A repossession company was trying to repossess one of his cars or something. Yeah, it was a truck, I believe. Yeah, a tow truck. Memory. And he yep. stole the keys of the tow truck, which is uh, quite a clever move, actually, when you think about it, to prevent them from repossessing his car. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, I like the idea of a... Um of a politician running for office and also getting into fights with the repo man. So that it ended up that he wasn't charged with the crime, but it was, no, he was, he was charged with the crime and then it got overturned later. But the fact that he was charged with the crime when the time he was elected. Yes. Uh, it's so it's, it's the timeline. It's the fact that yeah. he was, it's the fact that he had been charged with the theft and the assault. <laughs> um, then he started running for office. Then it all came to a head after he had been elected. He went to court. Um, he was he was found to have been bankrupt at whatever point, but also um, his 
the, the charges for the assault and theft got overturned or it got annulled or whatever it was. But the point still stood that he had been charged with mm. and found guilty of assault and theft at the time he was running. So even though it got overturned later on... He was still ineligible. He was ineligible to run at the time that he did. And then, because uh, he had a court-ordered bankruptcy put on him, you can't hold office in Australia if you are currently bankrupt. So that also mm. disqualified him. And at the same time that that was happening, it would found out that he had used his uh, newfound position as an Australian senator to uh, attempt to influence a Queensland magistrate uh, mm. who had made a ruling against like one of his friends or something, and he sent the magistrate a letter just being like, oh, you know, I'm a senator, I'm not going to view this favourably. Uh, <laughs> so there was a whole other thing going on there. And also, on top of all of this, he had uh, a series of ongoing personal disagreements <laughs> with Pauline Hanson <laughs> that they would refuse to take meetings together they would have yelling matches. They were slagging each other off in the press. There was a really wonderful moment where he was at like a function after all of these fights had come to light. And he was like trying to calmly take some tea from like a tea station or whatever while people were like, what's going on? And he was like, no, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. And then as he said it, he knocked over like a hundred mugs. <laughs> like everything just immediately <laughs> fell over. I actually hadn't heard that. That's great. Oh, uh, it's That sums it up though, doesn't it? Yeah, this is a recurring theme with One Nation, isn't it? It happened the last time around, too, is that they always tear themselves apart with infighting. Yeah, oh because yes. they're all unhinged. Every single one of them is an insane person. Well, I mean, it, it, it comes back to what I was sort of alluding to at the start of the show, which is, um, you know, it's hard to tell whether these are genuinely the best candidates that they can get or these are literally the only candidates mm. that they can get because there was... Um, there was a woman whose name I forget who was running for them in the WA election and she had been sort of talking to them about, you know, their policies and that sort of stuff. Uh, and I think, I want to say like three days before the election, she packed it in and said, nope, I'm not standing um, on the One Nation ticket because these guys are cooked, they're out of control <laughs> and I absolutely do not want to be associated with the party. Um, and yeah, so... So, yeah, by my recollection, she was, like, sort of the, the most competent-looking and least offensive person that mm. they had managed to run. I'm sure she held um, some views that uh, all of us screaming lefties would not love. But, she, you know, she was sort of seen as, like, uh, a regular-flavoured regular, regular -flavored human, if you will. And she, she just very um, enthusiastically disqualified herself from running for One Nation um, right before the election. So... I'm kind of guessing that maybe that's a bit more what it's actually like. Like people, people say or get approached. Maybe people get approached to run for One Nation, and they go, "Yeah, yeah, maybe this could work." And then they actually sit down and have some chats with them, and they go, "Oh, hell no!" Yeah. Well, they, they, an interesting thing about uh, Culleton uh, is that he never backed their anti-Islam stance, and he has a Greek immigrant wife. So he, he, uh, someone asked him, you know, do you agree with One Nation's position that multicultural Australia has failed? And he was like, no. <laughs> so he was basically just in there because he wanted to use political power to solve his many, many, uh, failed business deal problems that he had. Mm, his labyrinth legal issues. Yeah. He was tangled oh. in like four different lawsuits at the time that he got in. 
And then he basically tried to start up another one after he got ousted uh, by suggesting that, like, the Australian government actually doesn't have sovereign power in Australia because the Queen never blah, 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 some bullshit, to the point yeah. that he kept turning up to work even after he was fired. He, like mm, they, They'd, like, taken his name off the office door and got rid of all his staff and he was still showing up and walking around the halls like, with his lanyard on. A month ago, he was back in... The, uh, he was so odd, like... It was Alice mm. Workman from BuzzFeed was, like, just tweeted why the hell is rod cullerton still walking around parliament <laughs> yeah that was my favorite part of the whole rod cullerton scandal was his just our refusal to leave and admit that he'd been disqualified from the senate oh he mm. got he got into a fist fight uh like the day after he was disbarred as well because someone tried to serve him papers at one of the at one of the other uh, the many court cases he was involved in and then yeah there's video footage of uh Carlson throwing down because uh, he did not want those papers to be served. I'm trying to remember at what point um, he turned up with a cast on his arm <laughs> because he'd gotten into it with somebody. You know, that might have been shortly after whole, that one. Whole host of great visuals coming out of him. And then oh, uh, right. when he was eventually removed, his brother-in-law took over. Just, I just thought it was a a nice detail. Why not? Mm. Why not keep it in the family? Yeah. So I think I I think I can guess who's next, Matt. Ah, uh, yes, next would be Malcolm Roberts. Oh, oh. friend of the favorite. show. Now Malcolm Roberts has said so much that I don't think I could really sum up everything. <laughs> like Pauline, he's pretty much everything that comes out of his mouth is something bad. So I, I thought I'd focus on one of his more recent things that he said, which was uh, mm-hmm. the Greens were trying to get a bill passed to prevent an Indian company, I believe. Hmm. opening a coal mine in uh, central Queensland. And uh, Malcolm, of course, slammed this. Malcolm is a uh, noted climate change denier. General science denier. Yes, he often he often likes to accuse... He often likes to accuse um, NASA of <laughs> uh, making stuff up for its, mm. its pro-UN agenda. I'd say, like, uh, climate change denial is a part of the party, but Malcolm... That seems to be like his issue, even more than it is for it's Paul. His thing. That, yeah. It's his thing. That's his portfolio. He's, yeah, he's really passionate about about denying that climate change is real. It's his portfolio is stopping science. Yeah. Yes. But yes, uh, he claimed that the Greens were just doing this because they want to deny poor Indians a chance to make money in the coal mine. Mm. Oh, he boy. told them, "quote that they are the worst kind of racists, human racists." <laughs> Ah. As opposed Wait. to animal racists. Yeah, I I'm guess. not really sure how that works. Being being racist against humans? Is that what he's getting at? I believe so, yes. Hmm. And he also concluded his speech by saying the whales, the forests, and all of humanity thanks coal. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um if Yeah, if you run those whale songs through a translator, they are often praising <laughs> the transformative power of coal. Um, yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm is right out there. He's um, he's a pretty pretty weird looking dude. Um, not that not that looks really have anything to do with it, unless say your whole platform is that um, uh, ugly single women shouldn't get welfare. Uh, then I think it's fair to bring your looks into it. Um, but yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm is a very strange character, and I feel like it's also worth noting that much like Rod Carlson, um, who up until his um, almost immediate removal uh, was was one of the other most successful recent 
Whigs and candidates. Um, Malcolm also doesn't really get behind the whole anti-Islam stuff mm. uh, the way that Pauline does. So when he gets asked about it, he just kind of goes, uh, that's, that's Pauline's thing. Yeah. That's Pauline's portfolio. Um, he's far too busy trying to rid the world of sinister presences like uh, the CSIRO and NASA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, that they're able to hold such wildly divergent and clashing views at the very top of the party. Yeah, they're the, they're the two most prominent uh, members of One Nation, really, Malcolm and, and Pauline. Well, there's only three of them now that Cullerton's gone. But, yeah, it uh, is quite mm. odd that he isn't as... I'm sure he is racist, but he doesn't seem to be terribly concerned about it. No, well, um, well, the most recent Malcolm Roberts thing that I am recalling is that um, before a committee in the Senate, he um, tabled a report about how, I think it was... Um, conceptual penises are responsible for climate change that checks out yep mm. uh it's a very a very malcolm roberts story oh so that was those those guys that did a a shitty fake study to, to, to see if they could get it peer-reviewed mm. to basically their point was that oh they'll publish any sjw nonsense yes. but like if you can get something peer-reviewed therefore that means that all science is invalid. Yeah, and that that was something where it was rejected constantly. Like, they submitted it mm. to a bunch of places, none of them would do it, and then eventually one fucking, I don't know, let that shit slip through the cracks. But, yeah, it's fucking... And, you know, there's, there's the proof that no one's really thought about this whole climate change thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so then, you know, we've got... I, like, I, I would encourage anybody to... Do a little Google of Malcolm Roberts and maybe check out some videos of him um, at like Senate committees grilling um, scientists oh, from the CSI. He's, so he's great. certainly uh, the most active member of the party. Oh, absolutely, by far. Yeah, um, the videos of him uh, having his ridiculous views uh, squashed over and over are delicious. As is the fact that Malcolm then posts those videos himself on his own Facebook page and Twitter page um, because he thinks that he's the one winning the exchange. And in a way, he is. The fact that he's too dumb to realise that he has been outsmarted at every turn yeah, just makes him unbeatable. Like, it doesn't matter what point you could possibly raise with him, what argument, what evidence you could present, he would still come out being like, well, it's pretty clear that I won, which makes him mm. invincible. He's truly better than us all. Malcolm Roberts' greatest victory will be giving Dr. Carl a brain aneurysm live on air. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, and, you know, which, which he will then insist was, um, was, you know, that he caused Dr. Carl's death through the power of his life. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I assume we then come to the very tippy top of this uh, lumpy, misshapen pyramid scheme. Uh, that is Pauline herself. Yeah, uh, but there is one other senator, Brian oh. Burston. He's not that interesting, really. He's the closest one to me to a, being a hometown boy. He comes from Cessnock out in the Hunter Valley. Oh, shout out to Cessnock. I've driven through there once. Yeah. Uh, that is their claim to fame. I've seen that on the sign. <laughs> Ben's been here. Yeah. yeah. Not on the way back, though. I made my mind up after the way through. <laughs> mm. Not again. Not again. <laughs> not for me. He's not too interesting. He's he's pretty quiet. He's just your standard uh, far right wing extremist guy. Yeah. He uh, seems to pretty much keep his head down. I'm sure there's probably a few minor scandals or something like that, but uh, there's nothing that uh, really springs to mind that's particularly interesting about him. 
I think the most noteworthy thing he did from memory is um, in his maiden speech, he called for uh, the defunding of the ABC to be replaced by a patriotic broadcasting mm. company. Yes, that was it. Yeah, I don't even know what that would entail. Uh, I guess just like waving Australian flags, kangaroos crying. Just talking about how Australia is very good mm. and there's no problems. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it really actually speaks to uh, the, the quality of One Nation, the party and the candidates that they run. That having a guy who is just kind of a nut job who holds, you know, what I'm going to assume are very um, anti anti Islam, anti immigration viewpoints is like distinctly uninteresting. Mm-hmm. You know, it really says something about the general the general flavor, the real mixed bag that the party's got going on. Yeah, the fact that he hasn't come out with any like secret blog posts about how Hitler was trans yep. means yep. that he's <laughs> he's perfectly acceptable because he's just racist. Pauline, leader of the pack. Again, Pauline's history goes way back. Mm. We've got a solid a solid 20 years of um, Pauline Hanson severely owning herself in front of cameras. Mm. Yeah, it should be noted for anyone who uh, hasn't seen her speak, uh, Pauline is incredibly bad at public speaking and has not gotten better at all in the 25 to 30 years she's been in the public eye. It's really quite remarkable how awkward and bad she is at it. It's it's honestly astonishing. She just, it, she's on the verge of a breakdown every single time. Even when she's on script, she sounds so unsure and nervous, which is you know relatable, but probably not great if you're like the leader of a political party. Mm. And then anytime anything goes off script, you know Oof. she's just she's dead in the water. And it's important to say it, he's she's not unintelligible in the way that like Trump is. Like, uh, when you actually hear Trump speak, he's saying nonsense and saying ridiculous things, but he actually has a way of speaking that uh, listening to it sounds a lot better than reading it. He kind of mm. makes sense, in a way, when you listen to him, yeah. his verbal tics. Pauline Hansen does not at all, in any form, communicate her ideas very well. No, like, you know, you can get people aroused by, by Trump's speeches because they know the sentiment of what he's trying to say. Yeah. But all of Pauline Hanson's ones, they're just basically sitting there just going, oh, come on, just please say something racist so I can get excited about it. Because she just, like, mm. mumbles for a little bit and then she's just like, Muslims. And then everyone starts fucking clapping and going wild. I feel like with Trump, my issue with his speaking is that he's so um, he's so easily distracted even by his own thoughts that he essentially says half a sentence and then he kind of changes to another topic and then halfway through that sentence he kind of changes to another topic so you kind of get the sense that at least at least if you could get him to stick on one subject that what he would say would be dumb but you know vaguely comprehensible you might get what he's trying to say Mm. uh whereas yeah with with pauline it's you you really genuinely have this sense that she just collapses under the pressure of trying to form a sentence and again as you said that's it's no crime it's no crime in and of itself to not be good at public speaking it is it is very relatable and i really do think for a lot of her supporters it provokes uh sympathy in them for her Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's a bit of like oh well we know what she's trying to say you definitely want Um, your your party platform to largely be based on pity that's mm. that's a good way to go. Um, I would like to point out uh, something that happened with her in this past week, which was, so for people who are unaware, there is a similar thing in Australia to like the White House Correspondents Dinner, 
Um, I believe it's is it the Canberra Midwinter, midwinter Ball? Midwinter Ball, yeah. Yes. The Midwinter Ball. And this is a yearly occurrence where politicians and journalists all get together in Parliament House. They have a fancy ball. To suck each other uh, off. There's a big collective sucking off. Um, and all of this stuff is generally off the record so that everybody can comfortably get chummy and make all their in-jokes and nobody has to worry about any of it hitting the media. Um, there was a bit of a stir this week when, uh, I think it was Laurie Oaks, veteran journalist Laurie Oaks, shout out friend of the show, mm. Laurie Oaks. Laurie Oaks. Um, he, he broke this tradition by airing a recorded portion of um, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull doing an impression of Donald Trump. Um, so that kicked up a bit of a controversy, despite being an extremely mild impression, as far as I could tell. Mm. Yeah, I believe only the audio was leaked in. You can't even really tell he's doing an impression. It's a pretty poor impression. You can only really tell by the things he's saying. He's the references. Those, mm. yeah, yeah, the Trump keywords. He's not well, really doing the voice or anything like that. You can't see the hand gestures. Makes references to Russia. Uh, makes references to both his and Trump's uh, tanking poll numbers. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was significant in that it's been a huge thing in the media that uh, Turnbull has just been, like, sucking up to Trump so hard, and he's been basically bullied by Trump on multiple occasions, and he's had to, you know, grin and bear it the whole time. So seeing him actively be like, yeah, we know this guy's a complete dipshit, Oh yeah, well the biggest the biggest international news story about Australia of the last year has been um, the Prime Minister getting thoroughly cucked on a phone call mm. with Donald Trump, um, getting uh, getting harassed and hung up on. And then when they tried to smooth uh, it over, uh, Spicer getting his name wrong. Yes, Trumbull, oh. Prime Minister Trumbull. So you know it's it's not been a good look for the Prime Minister. So this audio was leaked. There was a bit of a thing. And Pauline chose to weigh in on this on her Twitter account. Um, she chose to weigh in with the following information. Quote, Those politicians and press having a go at Turnbull for cracking a joke are the same wankers killing Australia's larrikin spirit. PH. She signed a PHC and know it was her. So Pauline immediately copped about 800 replies from people saying, uh, you sued somebody for doing a parody song about you <laughs> during an election campaign. Um, um, in- every, like, free speech conservative in Australia has sued over a joke at one point in their life, and it's just an endless source of comedy. Like, just anything Chris Kenny says, all you have to do is just reply to it, you sued over a joke. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's all you have to say. Anything the right wing says about choosing to take offense, about being sensitive snowflakes, any of that sort of stuff. Uh, so I think I think that's been a pretty comprehensive review of um, how mind-blowingly ridiculous uh, One Nation are as a party. And it's worth stretching, that is not all of them. There no, are still no. more out there. No, uh, I feel like the majority of those are still fresh in our minds and hearts as a result of the very recent Western Australian campaign. Yeah, the majority of that list is just stuff that's happened in the last year or so, pretty much. Hmm. So, I think we're going to leave that there. We're going to move on and take a little trip through the mailbag. Uh, we've got some questions here for Matt. Okay. Friend of the show, Nikki, has written in um, with a pretty long list of questions. Oh God! And and they all relate to uh, Matt's brother, 
mythical figure, Luke. Now, <laughs> uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Luke's Luke's exploits uh, get documented every now and then on Matt's Twitter yep. account. Yeah, every now and then he'll just uh, say or do something that I feel like I have to tweet about. Uh, number one, get Luke on Twitter. This isn't a question, it's a request. Yeah, that's... And I feel like you've addressed this in the past. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It's uh, for a number of reasons. The first one being, I don't believe Luke even has an email address. <laughs> uh, he's, he's not very online. No, he's, he's very anti-social media. He's one of those guys that takes pride in the fact that he doesn't have a Facebook page. Hmm. Yeah, he doesn't have a computer, as far as I know. He's only got his, <laughs> he's got his phone, but he doesn't really know how to use it. Um, yeah. Okay. And also, Luke in control of his own Twitter feed, I don't, really don't think would be as fun as everyone seems to think it would be because he'd be filtering himself. He doesn't have a lot of self-awareness, but he does have just enough to realise when he's saying something really stupid to uh, rein himself mm. in a bit. Whereas you get the unvarnished Luke. Yeah. I should note that uh, he is in the house with me right now and is possibly listening to everything I say. Uh, shout out to Luke. Get over. Shout mate. out, Luke. Friend, friend of the show. Officially a friend of the show. Mm. Um, all right. Well, Nikki also wants to new, uh, know a few things. Like, um, uh, would Luke give me money if I sent him a picture of my feet? I am willing to provide PayPal details. I think he would, yes. Almost certainly. <laughs> okay. Luke has been... Uh, Possibly the victim of scams in the past, let's just say. All right, so we might get online for that one. Um, also, how much money would it take for you to kill Luke and vice versa? Uh, for him to kill me, I don't think he could. I am wow. larger and stronger than him. I am the dominant Brady brother. Yeah. <laughs> Better uh, for him to attempt it. Uh, a couple of hundred bucks probably would do it. I think he'd make the attempt. He does have weapons in his room. He uh, went on holiday to Fiji once and somehow came back with throwing knives. I still don't know how he got them through customs. Christ. That's impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got them and uh, some kind of huge club thing in his room as well. So so the so maybe if he got the drop on. Yeah, the means are there. And, yeah, it, it wouldn't take a lot of money to convince him to try it, I don't think. Can I just read a, a quick selection just to give... Uh, about to say viewers, then I was about to say readers, uh, listeners uh, who are unfamiliar, just a bit of a sample of some Luke tweets, uh, if that's all right, if you might be yeah, with me. That's fine with me. 15th of April, 2017, uh, Luke said he can't use the electric fry pan because the sticker with the numbers came off the dial, suggesting he doesn't know how <laughs> dials work. <laughs> yes, that is, that is actually an ongoing uh, concern because <laughs> I refuse to buy a new electric fry pan and... Uh, <laughs> He continues to claim he he can't use it because of that. Maybe, maybe if someone could get a marker and, you know. You just look at the dial and see how much it's turned. I mean, let's, yeah. there's no need to put hairs here. Yeah, uh, let's not get into it. 10th of May, 2017. Earlier today, Luke said to me, there's heaps of bats in the park now. It looks like they're bloody multiplying somehow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> 16th of June, 2017. Luke just told me he's going on vacation to Malaysia next week and in the same breath asked me to borrow 500 bucks. <laughs> yes, that happened on Friday. That's a that's the latest one. <laughs> oh, that is quite recent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that happened just the other day. 7th of April, 2017. I told Luke I'm going to get a kebab and he replied very seriously, 
Yeah, while you still can. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't remember the context of that. I really enjoyed um, this one from April 5th. Luke just informed me someone from The Biggest Loser had a heart attack with what I can only describe as pure and unrestrained joy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Luke loves sharing bad news and reveling in it. One of Luke's favorite things in the morning is uh, to come and tell me which celebrity has died overnight. He's always happy about it. Well, we've all got hobbies. It should be obvious in case it isn't that I, I do live with him. He, uh, well, live with him. He's uh, basically like having a 35-year-old kid, I guess. It's like if I somehow had a kid when I was three years old. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Still support him now because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, you know, pay rent or groceries or have a job or... So he's living the dream. Pay the bills or... Well, look, the important thing is that he supplies the world with some top quality. He tweets. does. He's certainly provided me a lot of content. Well, I love that content. All right. So um, we've got another question here from friend of the show, Rumoko. Oh. Shout out to Sean, friend of the show. Um, now, this comes back to what we were just talking about with the midwinter ball. Um, and it's something that I'm going to ask Matt to do for us. Um, someone do an impression of Turnbull doing an impression of Trump. Because I didn't hear the tape, but I reckon it was shit house. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough mm. one, Chris. You're basically just doing an impression of Turnbull. And I don't mm. know if I have a good impression of Turnbull. I guess it would be like, um, uh, hello, I am uh, Donald Trump. I'm winning the polls. I'm Donald Trump. That was actually quite good. That that does sound a lot like what Turnbull would do mm. as as an impression. And which is more or less what the impression did sound like. Yeah, that so. that was pretty much it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, um, I get a lot of women calling me daddy online now, like Martin <laughs> does. Yes. Yep. Yes. Or did Just like... for a two week period. My friend was like, "Oh shit, that's right. He's a bad guy." Oh, okay. Friend of the show, Tal Waterhouse. Shout out, Tal. Uh, creator of the Friday Lizard. Creator and curator. Ongoing. That meme we all know and love. Oh, boy. Right. So, a very, very Australian meme. Uh, Tal asks, if you could send any one pundit anywhere in the world, who and where would you choose and why? Oh, that's a good one. Mm. I think, Steel. actually, I would send Latham to Sudan. <laughs> I'd send uh, Ross Cameron to the moon that he loves so much. Oh, yes. Yes. Noted lover of the moon, Ross Cameron. No, that's actually... That's that's the best possible answer because, um, you know, in that scenario, we don't have to listen to Ross Cameron anymore and Ross Cameron finally gets to be with his one true love. Mm. Are we sending him there with uh, the breathing no. apparatus? He would... <laughs> okay. No. We don't have that kind of budget. <laughs> We can't afford that. They've cut so much funding from the CSIRO that you really can't expect them to facilitate that kind of thing. Mm. Who's who's your pick? Who would you send where and why? Oh, I was going to be really boring and pick, um, say, Mark Latham or well, probably maybe Mark Latham and just fire him into the sun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. And that one's pretty self-explanatory as to why. Mm. Because there's only one thing that you do once you get to the surface of the sun. What what is it? Well, you just kind of um get vaporized and stuff. Oh oh yeah of course no yeah. stop. Oh <laughs> look I'll put it this way I don't think that Facebook Live broadcasts work <laughs> from the surface of the world. <laughs> <I> only hope. <laughs> I also uh I wouldn't mind sending Caleb Bond on like a Southeast Asian sex tour just to mm. see what he'd be like when he came back. 
Just yeah, just send um, well even just send Caleb Bond like to to Bali for his 18th. Get shit faced. Come back come back with a very different outlook on recreational drug use. Yeah, can we send him to like and Nimbin for a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> just like send him to Byron Bay. Send him yeah, to just... Gold Coast for schoolies. Yes. After he's just like chain smoked a few joints, and he's like, "Whoa, this rules!" Actually, so you'll be a completely changed man. That's right. I don't know what I was thinking before. Yeah, it's so foolish, uh, thinking that uh, being racist in a newspaper was fun. It actually turns out recreational drugs are fun. Oh, just uh, worth mentioning um, that uh, as of well tomorrow when we're recording, but it'll be the prior Monday after we release, uh, he'll be 18 and it's legal to bully him. Nice. So if you're hearing this, you can absolutely, if you've had any reservations before about being mm. uh, mean to a, a child, no matter how racist, go go wild. He's, he's a legal adult. Bully him as much as you like. Listen, he clearly has not been bullied enough in life. How do you, how do you, how do you solve a problem like Caleb, though? How do you de-radicalize Caleb Bond? Well, it's a great question. And I would like to note when it comes to uh, the bullying of friend of the show, Caleb Bond. That's, um, you know, I don't I don't really like it when people get into his looks. Yeah, don't do that one. That's not nice. Because there's plenty of things to disagree with on, on Caleb's roster, on Caleb's resume. I don't want to sound like Andrew Bolt here, but to quote Andrew Bolt, uh, attack the principal, uh, not not the person. Attack the principal, not the acne. Although do attack his, um, his fountain pen aficionado that's fine. I think that's fair game. Let's call it what it is, a fetish. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah. Like I said, I don't I, I don't think you gotta you gotta make fun of Caleb's looks too hard. I reckon he knows what he looks like. And we we're all I mean, every single one of us as a team looked like shit. Oh, like yeah, teenagers are, are horrible. Mm. Um but all of that said, Caleb has chosen to pursue a career in what can now only be described as, you know, deliberately publishing uh, contrarian and uh, gross conservative views. Um, if you check him out on anything like Mark Latham's Outsiders, you can see him attempting to ape the uh, the pretty the pretty gross anti-Muslim opinions of you know some of his some of his conservative mentors. Mm -hmm. He's put himself out there. He he wants to make his he wants to make his bread doing uh, that kind of thing by demonizing people and. Um, putting pretty gross stuff out there and trying to divide the community. So, how about him? Mm. How about Caleb? About his shitty, shitty views. He's made his bread and he can sleep in it. That's right. He can sleep in that loaf. <laughs> All right, fellas. I think we're going to leave it there. And um, Sorry everybody had to miss out on Lucy today. R.I.P. Lucy. R.I.P. She, she died of uh, diarrhea. <clears throat> she died doing what she loved, shitting on the toilet. <laughs> She's in heaven with Bill Lee. Oh. <laughs> uh, so she'll she'll be back with us for our next episode, I'm sure. Mm. And thank you very much, Matt, for joining us today. Yep, it was my pleasure. And, uh, and taking us through this beautiful, beautiful history of incredibly weird people that mostly come out of Queensland. Yeah. If anyone thinks of uh, any that I missed, you know, feel free to at me. Just give me enough time yep. to change my notifications over to people I follow only. <laughs> Yes. Please sure. Yes, uh, also, any other grievances you have about the show in general uh, or anything, just uh, Matt V. Brady. Uh, yep. Just send them there. We will look at those. Please do. Mm. Yeah. 
And that goes for all future episodes, including ones that Matt is not mm, on. Especially. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you for the next episode. Yeah.